Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Glad to be in church today. Yeah. Hey, my name is Jared. If I haven't met you, I'm one of the pastors around here. I want to thank you for being in church with us today. Um, it's, it's an honor of mine for sure to open the new year with you guys. Um, happy new year. Glad the holidays are over. Anybody got young kids that went back to school on Thursday? Amen. That's probably the biggest amen I'll get all day long right there. No, but uh, we're glad for school, that's for sure. Um, it, it's hard to believe, but uh, NLC is fixing to celebrate 17 years of operation coming up in February. That's an amazing thing, right? 17 years. We've got 17 campuses across the state, opening up number 18 next, next week, I believe it is. Um, but my wife, Renee, she was up here singing just a minute ago. We've, we've been privileged to be part of NLC for about eight or nine years now. I, I forget. Time, time gets away from me after a certain amount of, of, of doing the same thing over and over again. But uh, we've been blessed to be part of New Life for several years now. And to see the vision from Pastor Rick and Michelle that they brought here to, to reach an entire state. Um, maybe some of you don't know about how New Life is structured. We've got, like I said, 17 campuses across the state. But the vision is to get to 50. And, and what, what does that number mean? That means we're trying to reach our entire state for, for the gospel, to, for Jesus Christ, to make it hard to go to hell from anywhere in Arkansas. And, uh, man, that vision kind of freaks me out even now, even after all this time. But knowing what God has done and, and what God is doing, I mean, even in places like BB, let's, let's get real for just a minute. BB, there's like 500 people there, and they all attend New Life. No, I'm kidding. But... <laughs> But it, you see places where we go plant a campus, and, and God's hand is in it. And, and to be part of that vision it is truly incredible. So part of that vision means that some of our parts are interchangeable, okay? So late this week, like midweek, late week, uh, the guy that was supposed to speak in GLR at our, our Little Rock campus over in Maumelle came up sick. And so they hollered for some help. And so James is over at the Little Rock campus speaking today. So, man, I love being part of a church where we've got interchangeable parts like that. From time to time, we'll have a worship guy come in, and, or, or lady, and come in and help us. And, and uh, it's neat being able to go be, if you've ever had a chance to go be in a service at another campus, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, I encourage you to do it and just see what God's doing with NLC. But James will be back next week. We're going to start a new series on worship and prayer. And uh, we're going to spend all of the, the following week after that. Uh, just in some time alone with God. And, and I, let, let, me, let me encourage you pretty strong right here. There is nothing better than alone time with God. Can I get an amen on that? And, and if you think that you're just too busy and you don't have room for something like that, then I'm going to be bold enough to say you need to quit something and make room for a time with God because it's that one-on-one -on -one communication with him that gets us through the tough spots. So we're going to start that next week. James will be back and, and start that message. Uh, but it is New Year's, and uh, we're, we're seven days in now. Hopefully, if you made resolutions, they're still going. Uh, but I, I did a thing this week. Um, there's a, anybody use Twitter? Like three of us. I, I have an account. I haven't checked in until this week. I hadn't checked in in over a year, so it's just one of those things. But you can search by hashtags, and you can do this on all of social media. But I went to Twitter because I wanted to be able to look at what's been posted like nationwide under this hashtag of resolution fails, where people are talking about, this is what I wanted to do, but I've kind of failed at it. Um, and out of the top 50 or so, 
I, I promise you, I'm not kidding. There was like seven or eight that said they didn't want to post so much on Twitter. But they posted that on Twitter. So I don't know how that works. But then you see the standard ones of, oh, I want to eat better. And then uh, one person said, I, I made this resolution. I'm going to eat better this year. But then I turned around and ordered delivery pizza for lunch. It's not going to work. Uh, somebody else said that my lunch, the first day back at work, was just a candy bar. And I'm not eating better. But I, I brought a couple of pictures I want to show you. Let's look at this first one. This guy goes to Sam's Club. says, so the scanner at Sam's Club was out, so I had to have a hot dog instead of a salad. That's not going to get you where you need to be. <laughs> But check this next one out, okay? So this one really got me. Um, and I promise your blood pressure is going to go up, but it, it's a fake rise because we're just reading about it. We're not actually in it. This person said, I can go ahead and scratch out the resolution of not cussing in full sentences while driving. Uh, let me interrupt right there. If you can drive in Cabot traffic and not cuss, I want to shake your hand after church because I don't think that's possible. <laughs> But, but here's where it really gets funny. Three red light runners, two wide right lane turners, six no blinker lane changers, and the speed limit enforcer in the left lane. Give me a hand for doing that without stuttering. No, but uh, I look at that and I hear the 12 days of Christmas. And now that song's in your head. Um, put that picture back up real quick. There's one more little thing I want to look at. This is posted on January the 2nd at 8.42 a.m. <laughs> Ricky, I didn't even know you were in Louisville, Texas. I mean, what's up with this, right? I'm kidding. That was not Ricky. So how do we make, the, how do we make 2018 the year that God wants it to be for us? How, how do we resolve to do what we can do and, and live for God the way we need to? Let's look at this verse in Philippians chapter 1. Paul says this, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. I'm sure of this. So we're going to talk a little bit about confidence today. I'm sure of this. But how many of you are glad that that verse tells us it has nothing to do with our ability, has everything to do with God's ability to complete the work that he started in us, right? I'm happy about that because it means that I don't have to live perfect. I got to do my part. But when I mess it up, God is still faithful. We just sang a song, a new song about being confident that he has never left us and that we're still in his hand. I love that new song. Quick survey, scale of one to 10. How confident are you right now that 2018 is gonna be a year of incredible growth for you in your relationship with God? Scale of one to 10, okay? I gotta be honest with you. There's been several years where I would hit the first week of January and be at like a one or a two. Because, you know, stuck in a job that's, that's dead end or, or any, any of these myriad of reasons where you just hit the new year discouraged and thinking that this is just going to be another year just like last year. Uh, maybe your life is like this never-ending episode of This Is Us. I don't know anything about that, story, about that show other than I see you guys post on Facebook that it's made you cry again. Now, I'm not going to do that today. Let's just lay that out there. I'm not going to make you cry today. But... Sometimes you can get into January and feel like, man, this is just, this is another year. And I have no confidence that this is going to be different in my walk with God. But I, I want to encourage you to do this. Let, let's find one step that we can make towards God. One step that we can make towards strengthening our relationship with him. 
And watch where that takes us. Paul said, I am sure of this. I'm convinced that what God started, he's going to finish. And if you're going to be confident in anything this year, I want you to be confident in knowing that God is with you and your relationship with him can grow. Amen? I'm convinced that God wants to do something new with us this year. I'm convinced that he wants to do something new in my life. And, and, and I want to see things around me different this year than I ever have. I, I want to see my family different. I, I want to see them the way God sees them. I want to see my wife the way that God wants me to see her. I want our marriage to flourish. Now, that's not gonna, I'm not going to be dumb enough to say up here that we're never going to have rough times and we're never going to have those moments when I'm a knucklehead because it just happens. It's my favorite word, by the way, and I'm going to throw it in anytime I get a chance to. But I'm never going to promise that, that life's going to be just smooth sailing. But this I know, God is for me, and God is interested in our relationships among our family, among our friends, among our church. He's interested in all of those growing in relationship with him. But, but look at this. If you want something new out of life, you cannot continue to do things the same way you've always done them. That's one definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, but expecting a different result. It's like trying to add two plus two and getting five. You're going to drive yourself nuts trying to make that happen. So don't do that. We just heard from Pastor Rick last week about being overwhelmed with our thoughts and overwhelmed with this idea that I can't get out of this. Well, if you keep doing the same thing, you're not going to. But if you change what you're doing, take one step towards God, he's going to help you from there. Let's look at Philippians 2, verse 12. Now, Paul is writing this, this book of Philippians to the church at Philippi. He's writing it to believers, okay? So this is not necessarily something that's just broadcast to the masses. This is people that have, that have declared their walk with God, but they want something more out of it other than just existing. And look at what he says. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you both to will... Now, that word will means desire, okay? So God is working a desire in you. He's working and to work, and this is the application of the desire for his good pleasure. God is working in you. Now, look at what he does not say. He does not say work on your salvation because Jesus has already finished that. And faith in Jesus assures salvation, and then we're done. But what he said is work out your salvation, now, Paul several times likens the, the Christian walk to a race. And, and to, you know, back in the day, they, they had the Olympics, and, and that was the big thing of every, every four years. And, and the, the guys that would win the, the running races, those were considered to be the studs of the world, right? So he likens the Christian world to a race, but it's not about like a 100-meter dash race where it's the fastest guy. No, what he says is, the race that we're running, the prize comes for those who finish strong. So park that in the back of your head. We're going to visit that thought a couple more times today, but we're likening this to a race. And so now Paul is telling us here to work out what God is doing in you. I looked up a couple of more New Year's resolution fails as it pertains to working out. And there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of funny stuff out there about the gyms are completely full in January and they're empty in February for the rest of the year you've seen it before. Okay, so I want to quote you this one. I've got two here, but I'm going to directly quote this one. It's 
start quotes. I'm seeing a lot of go-to-the-gym resolutions and not a lot of work-out-when-I-get-there resolutions. <laughs> stop sitting, stop texting, stop taking mirror selfies, end quote. Please, for the love of all that is holy, stop taking mirror selfies. No, but here's the other one. It's, it's totally ironic to drive past a gym and see several cars in the parking lot fighting over who can park closest to the doors. You're at the gym to work out. 50 more steps is going to help you, not hurt you. <laughs> no, but seriously, where, where does all this, where, where do we take this truth of, of working out our salvation? How do we do this? How do we apply it? Let's go back to Philippians chapter 3. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not, attained, I've not achieved it. Now, this is Paul talking. This is Paul, the guy that wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament. Okay? This is the guy that, that bragged on himself. You can go earlier in Philippians 3, and he lists his accomplishments. Okay? And, and one of these things is he kept the law more than anybody else. And he was a Hebrew among Hebrews, and he's the leader in that community. In Philippians 3.13, he says, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. One thing. We're talking about taking one step towards God. I focus on this one thing. I forget the past, and I look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race. We're talking about finishing strong. And I receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. If Paul couldn't nail it, if he had to say, I've not achieved it, then we can take encouragement in knowing that we're not going to achieve it either. Because God used Paul to write two-thirds of the New Testament he can use you just as well, okay? So don't get discouraged when you trip up. Don't get discouraged when something knocks you off course. But let me ask, I'm gonna ask a series of questions today and they're gonna, they're gonna help us focus on what's this one thing we need to do. Um, number one, in your past, what is the one thing that you need to let go? There's something back there that's holding you up. There's something back there that's weighing you down. What's the one thing you need to let go? Let, let's be clear about this. Your past is just that. It's your past. It's yours, but it's past. It's gone. It's over. You can't change it as bad as you would want to. Okay? But your past does not have to define you. It might be a reflection of who you were then, but it does not dictate that that's who you are now. Anybody thankful for the grace of Jesus that covers our sins? Amen? <laughs> So I encourage you, you might look at, at your past and say, well, one, I've got like 50 that I need to let go of. Okay, pick one. Pick the biggest one. And then you and God go conquer that, and you're going to be ready to conquer anything else that comes into your life. All right? So start with one. Now, Paul wrote this, and he said he was letting go of, of things that were behind, forgetting the past. We don't know what he was talking about. We don't have any explanation. So there's, there's a few possibilities um, maybe, he was, maybe he was having to forget his reputation. See, Paul was, was this big mover and shaker in the Hebrew community, but he also was very anti-Christian for a time to the point where he would order the murder of Christians over and over. He was a very big persecutor of the church. So maybe he had to forget that reputation and, and clear his mind and forgive himself. Well, there's another big issue we could talk about for a while. Maybe he needed to forgive himself for all the things that he had done that were wrong against Jesus and the body of Christ. Uh, maybe he had to forget his identity. Those things that he brags about in, in the first part of Philippians 3. 
Maybe he had to forget about the fact that, that he was a very rich guy. He was very well-known. He was part of the elite status of the day. He had it going on. He's the guy that you would go to if you had a question. If you wanted to know what the law said about a certain topic, Paul was the guy you went to because he was the teacher of everybody, okay? Maybe he had to, maybe that caused him to have some pride because of how big a deal he was. Maybe he had to forget that. But then, you know, by the time he writes the, the letter to the Philippians, he's been a Christian for a while and, and he's endured some hardship. Maybe he had to forget some of that pain. Maybe he had to let that go. Um, I mean, Paul, if you, if you do a study on Paul, you're going to realize that we've got it really well. Um, shipwrecked multiple times, stranded on an island. You've seen the movie uh, Lost, the TV show Lost, stranded on an island. He was there, uh, bitten by snakes, uh, beaten, uh, stoned. And I'm not, I'm not talking about smoking stone. He was like with real rocks kind of thing. I mean, this dude had it rough, right? But maybe he had to realize that I got to let that go if I'm going to continue to pursue God. How many know it's easy to get caught up in the pain of the past? It's easy to get trapped there. And Paul says, no, I got to forget that. I, I kind of feel like Paul's talking about all of it. I got to forget everything I've been through because today is a new day. Old Testament tells us that God's mercies are made new every morning. And so there's things that we've got to forget about yesterday if we're going to move forward. So what's the one thing in you that you need to let go of so God can continue his work in you. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin. We're talking about one thing, the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance. Here it is again, the race that God has set before us. What's the one thing you've got to let go in order to move forward. I talk with people regularly that are just bound by their past. They're just stuck. And, and man, God wants to bring freedom to that. But what, what's the thing that's weighing you down? Is it a sin? It, is it a, an addiction? Something that is habitually in your life over and over and over again. You can't seem to shake it. Uh, is it bitterness? Is it maybe some unforgiveness? Let me encourage you today, let it go. Just let it go. And I'm not going to break out in the song. I want you guys to come back next week, but just let it go. Just let it go. Get with God and get some freedom over that and watch what happens. Maybe it's mistakes that you've made in your life. Anybody in here not made a mistake before? Hey, we all did it right. We've all made mistakes, right? Um, but thankfully, we have a God that can look past those. Man, I've made some mistakes in my life. I've made mistakes in my marriage. I've made mistakes as a dad. Uh, I'll just be flat out honest with you. I can be a knucklehead. There's no doubt about that. But God thankfully looks past all of that. But here's one thing I've learned about past. I've learned that your past is there. You can't keep the memories of your past from coming out. But you can make your past a place of reference and not a place of residence. We'll say that again. You and God can work together and your past then can become a place of reference. What does that mean? I can look back at what happened. I can look back at what I did wrong. I can look back at what people did to me. 
I can look back at the dry seasons of my life and I can learn from them and learn not to do those things again. You glad you didn't, you learned not to touch the stove because that would hurt over and over and over again. But how many times do we touch the stove in our past and let it hurt over and over and over again? God wants to bring freedom from that. Why is it important to never look back at the past? Okay, we're keeping up with the race analogy. Anybody ever heard of Roger Bannister back in the 1950s? He's the first guy that recorded a mile run in under four minutes. I would be lucky to do it in under 12, but he did it in under four. And it was a world record and it made him, he was famous across the world at that time. Two months later, a guy named John Landy beat his time, beat Bannister's time by over a second, almost a second and a half, which in the track world is like two minutes. It's just huge. Um, so they, they had this discussion now of who's the better runner, who's the fastest man, because we always want to know who wins, right? So they set this race up between Bannister and Landy, and it was going to be one mile and winner take all kind of thing. So they, they start the race, they get to the final lap, and Landy's in the, in the lead. And they get to the final turn before the, the, the finish line's coming up. Landy's leading, but he's got this thought in the back of his head. Where's Bannister? Where's the guy that I'm trying to beat? Where's the thing that I'm trying to get over? It's got to be right around here somewhere. And he says that he turned to see where Bannister was. And in that moment, Bannister passed him and won the race. And a couple of months later, Landy sits down with Time Magazine and says, if I hadn't looked back, I would have won. If I hadn't looked back, I would have won. That's a powerful sentence right there. Whatever it is in your past that you're trying to get over and get past, don't look back. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on where he wants you to go. Take one step towards him every day and watch what happens. Uh, number two, in your relationship with God, what's the one thing that's missing? What's the one thing that's missing? I'm going to go to a story in Mark chapter 10. Uh, maybe you've heard the story of the rich young ruler. That's the guy I want to talk about for a moment. Um, this is a guy that, again, very influential in his time, had it all going. For, for what you would look at from the outside of his life, this is the guy you want to be like. Rich, young, ruler. So money, power, wealth. He's got it all. And he comes to Jesus one day and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So even when you've got it all, you realize you don't and you're hungry for something else. And that something else is always God. It always is. So he comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you need to do this. And the guy interrupts him and says, yep, I've done that. Got it. Okay. Jesus says, well, you need to do that. Yep, I've done that too. And he keeps interrupting Jesus saying, I've done this. I must be good. I must be set. Jesus knew his heart. We're going to pick up in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. The Bible says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. Let me interject a thought right there. When we're going to have a tough conversation with somebody, let's always start with love. Not facts, not personal convictions, not... Let's start with love. Because look what Jesus was then able to tell him. One thing you lack. One thing. This is the guy that's got it all. Jesus has this conversation in love. One thing you lack, he says, go sell everything you have 
and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. See, Jesus knew that this guy's definition of success was a little off. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. What does that mean? Is wealth evil? No. When your identity is wrapped up in wealth, that's wrong. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's what the Bible says. But Jesus knew that this guy had his identity wrapped up in what he had done and who he was and what he had and not wrapped up in Jesus. So one thing that the rich young ruler was missing was this identity in Christ. Jesus is trying to get us to redefine success. How do we, how do we keep score? How do we know when we're winning? Is it the number of zeros in the bank account? That's behind the number, not in front of the number. Because I could put 10 in front of my numbers and it doesn't change anything. But how do we keep score? What, what do we know? How do we know? You can have everything that this world offers, but without Jesus, you still lack the one thing. Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8 says this. This is Paul again talking. Whatever gain I had, this is the guy that had it going. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Why? Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's worth everything. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. It's an amazing word right there, rubbish. Why? In order that I may gain Christ. Paul says, I look at my life and everything that I've done Everything that I've had, it's all trash. Not stuff that's headed to the recycle. It's stuff that's trash. You just want it out of your life. I want all of that stuff gone so that I can know Jesus. Because with less of me, there's more of him and his rule. Amen? When it comes to your relationship with God, what's one thing you lack? Maybe, maybe you do it like this. Maybe you write out a sentence that says, I don't have enough of blank. And then you fill in that blank. Uh, maybe it's passion. I don't have enough passion. I, I just don't have that drive, that edge to be able to go and do things for God, to be able to go and be part of his kingdom. I, I, I just, I had it at one time maybe, or maybe I've never had it and I want it, but I just don't have that drive. Maybe it's vision. You look at 2018 and you go, what am I even going to do? I have no idea what to do in 2018. Maybe it's vision. Um, Maybe it's giving. I I have no idea how to give, what to give, why to give. And so I just don't. Take a step in faith. Watch what God does. Maybe it's commitment. I'm kind of just halfway in church. I attend on Sundays. I've got a few friends there, but Monday through Saturday, I'm just living life on my own. And there's nobody else doing life with me. What does that phrase even mean, doing life with somebody? It means you've got friends in your life that are more than just acquaintances. They know when you're hurting. They know when you're struggling. And you've given them the permission to call you out on it and ask you the tough questions. How are you doing? If, If you're not involved and committed, you're not accountable to anybody. And when you're not accountable to anybody, you're vulnerable. 
You might be okay right now, but you're vulnerable. Take one step. Get involved in a life group. Get involved serving. Get people in your life that can help you. The Bible said a cord of three strands is not easily broken. When you have people in your life that have common interests that want to see you succeed with God, they're going to help you. Man, there was a time earlier in my life that I straight up quit church. And this may shock some of you coming from a preacher, but I just straight up quit and, and didn't care to ever go back. I had graduated from Bible school and, and moved up north and was a full-time youth pastor for a while, and it didn't end well. It ended very ugly. I, I did a lot of stupid things. I was a knucklehead. They did a lot of stupid things. And so when it ended, I came back south. Thank God I got out of the cold weather from up there. But I came back south, and I, I just quit. And I spent several months where I was alone. Uh, I, I dove into work and just didn't even care. I, I didn't want to put my heart back out there again because those people had stomped it so flat and I had allowed them and helped them. Definitely not all their fault. But the situation happened and I spent several months, God, I don't even want to be part of your people because your people stink. Which is true. But after a certain amount of time, I had to open my heart back up to God because I realized that not only was I pushing his people away, I was pushing him away. And I couldn't grow in that time when I was out on my own. Let me encourage you today. You might be able to relate to church hurt. You might be able to relate to, I've never been part of something like this before. I don't even understand it. I get that. Um, Let this be the day, though, that you seriously pray about getting involved, getting back involved, taking that step again. Maybe that's the one thing you need to do is to let somebody in again. Amen. Number three, in prayer, what's the one thing that you desire from God? What's the one thing that you would ask for? If you knew you could get anything, what would you ask for? Okay. If there's anything you can ask of God this year, what would it be? Look what David says in Psalms 27. It says, I've asked one thing from the Lord. This will I see to remain in the Lord's house all the days of my life in order to gaze at the Lord's beauty and search for an answer in his temple. Think about this. David could have anything he asked for. He could have asked for wealth. He could have asked for fame. He could have asked for power. He could have asked for comfort. God, let me just take it easy for a while. But no, what did he ask for? I want to be in God's presence. I want to be in God's house. I want to focus what I'm looking at and have that be God and everything that he wants in my life. What are you looking at today? Where where is your commitment in what you desire from God? Is it being part of God's house? Is it being part of this body? Or if you're visiting part of the body of the church that you go to regularly, see, it's not just about this church. It's the kingdom of God. Uh, This church may not be a fit for you, and if it's not, then that's fine. We can help you find a place to get plugged in somewhere because that's the ultimate goal is that you plug in to the body of Christ and further his kingdom and watch what he does in your life. Is God's house a priority for you in 2018? And this brings us to our last question, which probably is the most important one. Uh, Number four, in this year, what's one promise that you need to stand on? One promise. Did you know that there are over 6,000 promises in the Bible? Uh, if, you, if you divide those up by the days of the year, that's like five a year, a day. 
whatever the number is, okay? There's a huge amount of promises where God is saying, I will do this, okay? I encourage you to find one. Now, here, here's, the, here's the truth. I get calls, texts, emails, whatever, regularly, where people are asked, man, can you give me a verse about this subject? I, I need to know a little bit more about marriage, or I need to know more about finances, or I need to know more about how to raise my kids. And, and yes, it's part of the job description. I'll help you with that. But watch this. Let me, let me give you a little secret. When you spend time with God, just you in prayer with your Bible, and you ask him, show me a promise for me. And then he directs you to a specific one. Man, that's an amazing experience. If you've never had that before, I encourage you to make that your one thing quickly. Um, I can take you back to the exact church in Jackson, Mississippi, the exact pew, the exact seat on that pew where God called me into the ministry. I can tell you everything about the service that was going on up to that point. After that, my brain was wrecked and I don't remember anything, but I can take you back to that exact, the exact verse in the Bible where God rocked my world. Why? Because I was open and asking for him to do that for me. So what does that allow me to do? Number one, I never forget it. And you'll never forget it either once this happens with you. You will never forget the time that God's word just opens up like that. And then as you share it with people and, and talk about what he's done with you, you're going to see the power of that promise come to pass in your life. A um, little bit more of my story. From that moment, this was 1994, I believe. It took 20 plus years to come to pass. Okay? Sometimes God's promises are slower than what we want them to be, but they will happen. You can bet on that. You can take that one to the bank. You can have confidence in knowing that when God tells you he's going to do something for you, he's going to do it. Check this verse out in Psalms chapter 56. This is, again, David talking. Then my enemies will retreat when I call to you. This I know. David's convinced of one thing. What is it? God is on my side. God is on my side. I praise the word of God. I praise the Lord, the word of the Lord. I trust God and I'm not afraid. And David was convinced that God was on his side and you can be too. God is on your side. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that God is interested in working for you? This is where David drew his strength. David went through some junk in his life too, but what happened is he spent some time alone with God before the junk happened. And so then he had this promise to stand on, God is on my side. And it doesn't matter what happens out there, doesn't matter what happens from anybody else, God is for me, who can be against me? Doesn't matter, okay? So what's the one promise you need to stand on this year? I wanna close with one more story. Uh, and I, I brought a video to illustrate this story, but here, here's the background. In 2008, there was a track meet. We're back to the race analogy, okay? So there's this track meet in 2008, and it's the Big Ten Championships. And uh, Arkansas has had a pretty good track team all these years. Well, this is their, the Big Ten Championship. And it, it, the championship's in the balance, and one school is, is poised to win the entire title. And in order for that to happen, this one girl needs to win this one race. 
and it's the women's 600-meter race in 2008. Let's watch this video. There's an interesting thing that happens. Just coming by Fondor now in the home stretch, heading into the bell lap. Gordon falling down gets up quickly, but that's going to cost her. Lucky she wasn't injured. Her teammate just went to the front, though, so they may be able to recover from that. And Dorden is flying down the back stretch. She is she catching is, up. She is going to catch Fondor, and she may catch the leader. Wow. Well, she's got Fond. This is a gutsy effort by Dorden. Can't she pull it off? She's moving to third. Dorden coming down the stretch from the outside. Dorden coming out strong. Man, you ever seen that video before? It's terrible quality because it's 2008, but here, here's, here's the truth. She had something she could stand on. She had spent some time. Now, what I'm going to tell you is that she didn't get the, the encouragement and the strength to win that race in that moment. No, she spent months, years training. Her entire life led up to that moment. When something knocked her off path, Somebody else's involvement ruined her race, or so it would seem. But she, in that moment, could go back and say, you know, you know what? I have trained. I have put in the work. I have found something that I can stand on to know that I can do this. How does it work for us? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. She was able to draw on that well of strength and come back and win, not just finish. She came back and won. God's interested in you winning. You believe that? Let's bow our heads. The reality is the Christian race is tough. The reality is there is no promise that we're going to get through life without getting knocked around. That's truth. But the reality also is that God is interested in you winning. God wants you to not just get up. He wants you to get up and finish strong. So what's the one thing for you today? Maybe it's one thing you need to let go. Maybe it's the one thing that you need to ask God for. Maybe it's the one thing you need to commit to. Maybe it's the one thing that you need to stand on, a promise that God has given you, and to know that his word is faithful forever. Maybe that one thing for you is is a relationship with Christ. Maybe you had it at one time, and it's gone cold. Maybe you've never had it. And if your one thing today is a relationship with Christ, what a better opportunity, you'll never find a better opportunity than what you're in right now. To start, to get up and take off and watch this year be a win. If that's you, if if you need a relationship with Christ, I wanna pray with you. I'm gonna ask you just to raise your hand right where you're at. Nobody's looking around. Let me know who I'm praying with. If your one thing is a relationship with Christ, let me pray with you. Got you there in the back. Yes, sir. Got you there in the middle. 
come on, one thing. It's a 5% change that makes a huge difference over time. One thing, got you there in the back. Let me ask this a different way. If your one thing is something that you need God to help you get over, get past, get through, let me know so I can pray with you as well. Raise your hands as well. Yeah, there's hands all over the place. I want you to know this. You're in the perfect place. You're in a room full of broken people that recognize we need a Savior. There's people all over the room that have things that they need God to help them with. You're in good company. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word that's forever settled in heaven. I thank you, God, for the promise that you are for us. You are not against us. And you are interested in our lives. You are interested in us winning and finishing strong. God, I thank you for these that that have declared that they know they need you in their life. They want a relationship with you. Thank you for those people, God. I thank you also for the people that, that are opening up and saying, you know what, I need some help. Can't do this on my own. What a great place to be in the arms of God, knowing that you are for us and you're going to help us. So God, I pray that you would help us today. Help us to take that one step in turning to you. Help us to live our lives, God, the way you would have us live. Forgive us of our sins. God, lead us by your spirit. Help us to conquer. Help us to win and finish strong. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're thankful for the word of God, let's give him a hand.